Hello everyone and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. Welcome back, everyone. In this week's episode, we speak with someone I've wanted to talk to for quite some time. This person has been someone requested by many listeners, and we could not think of a better topic to have them on to speak about. The topic we are going to be discussing is one that seems to be becoming more and more important. As many individuals strive to become higher-end or improve their situations, the only option for many seems to be taking over a business or starting your own. However, who's going to help? What things should they focus on? How can I create a space when there are no days off? We sit down with Christy Lillard, owner of Laughing Buddha Body Piercing, an industry veteran of over 20 years, to talk about revamping shops and businesses. Whether you purchase one to renew, are just taking over the piercing side of a shop, or even just starting out, this episode is full of some amazing information from someone who has started multiple successful businesses from scratch and successfully taken over previously owned ones. So without further ado... Listen in as we talk about creative ways to build and create a new space, what we learned in the process, and transitioning into a new shop family. like to introduce you to, unfortunately, I've never met you in person, but I follow you on all this social internet and everything like that. But for our fans that don't know who you are, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I'm Christy Lillard. I own Damask Tattoo, Laughing Buddha, Seattle, uh, C-City Tattoo and Body Piercing, and Bright Tattoo Aftercare Lotion. Rad. And you have worked in this industry quite a bit, right? Yeah, I started in 1998 in Missoula, Montana. And I pierced for a couple years, and then I switched over to tattooing, which I did for 17 years. And I retired from that in 2015 when I purchased Laughing Buddha. Oh, that's great. I'm uh, a very big advocate for having backup plans uh, in the future. And uh, that is going to be a really good way to talk about what we're going to be talking this week. So the reason why I wanted to have you on this week's episode is because you are extremely skilled when it comes to this topic. I've been following you for quite a bit and watching your journey from beginning to end, or I should say beginning to opening. And what we're going to be talking about is revamping businesses, um, whether that be uh, taking a location that is new to you and making it your own, or if it is taking over an entire shop and then either transitioning that shop into a uh, new location or um, a new studio with a new name and so on and so forth. Christy, I know you have a lot of experience with this. Uh, Why don't you give us a little bit of background and what you've done in the past? Oh, let's see. So I started Damask Tattoo from scratch um, in a basement unit underneath a restaurant where it was just me tattooing by myself appointment only door was locked unless I was letting a client in. And then we've moved that 
studio twice now. And we just expanded it recently. We took over the unit next to us. And then when I bought Laughing Buddha, we stayed in the same location for a little while. And I tried to negotiate staying there, but the property owner was refusing to negotiate with me. So we ended up moving that about five blocks down the street. And then I recently purchased Sea City Tattoo and Body Piercing. And that's only been about six months, but we've been slowly remodeling that. Right. So it's actually pretty, I, uh, how do I put this? It's really nice to watch it from afar because I know how frustrating and hair pulling it is to like remodel a new shop because every time you accomplish one task, you pick up two more problems. But in regards to that, you have completely changed the appearance, the style, like everything down to the flooring of that shop. And it's, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's absolutely gorgeous. So everyone here should check that out. Um, We'll include links in the show notes, but uh, how did that, like kind of happened did you just purchase the property and then your our property and business and then we're just like this isn't working for me i want to make it something new did you go in there with the intention to change it over How, what was your thought process in the beginning are we talking about laughing buddha or sea city uh whichever one you feel comfortable with i mean both both are really great examples let's see with sea city i negotiated purchasing that for about eight months and actually laughing buddha was about an eighth month eight month negotiation as well. Um, I knew that I was going to remodel both studios top to bottom. That's kind of my idea going in is that if we can make the studio beautiful, then we can set the stage for just increasing the general, can't think of the word right now. <laughs> no, it's okay. The, the just the, <laughs> the I, quality this happens of the to studio. me all the time. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So going in and completely remodeling to set the stage to increase the quality of the overall studio, it, it, it sets the stage and it shows the old clients that everything is improving and it shows new clients that this is a whole new space now. Yeah. And I think that's really important, you know, and, and we'll cover this as we go on. But I think when it comes to like revamping or rechanging or renaming or rena- like rebranding, all those things, I'm just going to include that under revamping now, is that... You don't want to make it too new where you lose all your old clients and you just want to feed off of new clients. It's kind of a like a tricky balance because you want to keep obviously you want to have client retention from the previous business, but you want to make sure that they understand that, like, we still want you here. We still appreciate you here. I agree, uh, except for that there are a lot of clients that are going to be going to a studio that's that looks old fashioned that we don't necessarily mind losing when we move on to the new uh, remodel and the new complete revamp, I'm okay with losing clients to gain better clients. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Your studios are based in Seattle, Washington. Is that something you see a lot of clients like, like that traditional tattoo shop? Or do you think that uh, clients are searching for like a studio that just fits them? Or what do you think? My approach is that if people want that traditional tattoo and piercing studio vibe, that they're going to continue to go to the studios that look like that. The whole approach that I take is doing something that's completely different than everybody else is doing and trying to, I mean, in my mind, I'm, I'm outdoing everybody in the area so that I do draw in the best clients and the people that want to pay for quality. And if they want old-fashioned, they'll go to the old-fashioned places. There's plenty around, and there's amazing artists and piercers at those shops, too. So we really 
try to hone in on even as far down to thinking of our ideal client, giving them a name, figuring out the restaurants they go to, figuring out the lifestyle they live, the, um, you know, whether or not it's this woman that spends all of her time on, on Pinterest or whether it's a guy that spends all of his time doing podcasts or whatever that may be. Yeah, We try to figure out the specific person and then every decision that we make and I keep saying we, it's really me. Um, <laughs> every decision that I make, I think, would this person like that? Would this person want to go to a place that is like that? And it's okay for me if that doesn't include everybody because it ends up being really successful in the end. I don't think you're going to be able to include everyone. I just don't think no. that there's there's ever going to be like, we can cater to all of these clientele. Obviously, you, I'm I'm not saying you pick them and like, pick them out of like a lineup, but you know, there's obviously certain clientele that we'd want to retain and other clientele where we don't mind if we lose them, which, which is, you know, this is a hard truth. And, and especially for, you know, clients and super fans and the such that listen to this, it's hard to admit that, but overall it's a business. And that's the thing that really stands out. And I want to really stress to a lot of people is, is business is absolutely ruthless and it involves you making really hard decisions. I know that we're in a service-based industry, but like if you change the industry from piercing to let's say a restaurant, like I guarantee you that they're selecting the booths and the colors and, you know, the location and like the menu to draw on certain people, it, it goes across all businesses. And it's just one of those things uh, that we're gonna be bringing up in this episode so christy let's talk about the actual transition of the physical space so when you go into a new studio a new studio to you as soon as you walk in what's the biggest things that you're looking to change to draw on those new customers these are loaded like loaded gun questions i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally the first thing that i notice in any business that i walk into whether it's one that i'm looking to Uh, revamp or whether it's just the restaurant down the street is I scan the entire place. I look at the corners of the floor. I look at the lights. I look at the, um, any kind of cords that are hanging everything. And if I see dust or dirt or scuffs or paint that's chipped or anything like that, the first thing I think is that's what I would fix first. Like it has to be clean and it has to look new. Let's see. And then from there, it's really about what looks old fashioned or what doesn't fit the vibe that I'm trying to go for. So most of the time the floor needs to be replaced. Floors tend to be very trendy. So it pretty much always needs to be updated and then fresh paint, clean anything that's not going to be painted or redone and up just general updates to make things look modern. So our uh, Laughing Buddha and uh, Damascus Tattoo are they both very similar in style or do you have them as two different types? I wanted to put a different feel into them because those are both in the, in Seattle. So Damask is very salon. It's very femme. It has you know crystal chandeliers and it's all white and silver. And we have big flower murals on the walls. And uh, it's just, it's much more like a salon than what people would think of as a typical tattoo studio. And then Laughing Buddha, I wanted to go with kind of a modern Zen sort of a feel. So I wanted people to feel like they were walking into maybe a a yoga studio or like a 
like a naturopath's office or something like that. So totally different feels. Um, it's also the people that work there with Damask. I created it from scratch. So that was very me. And then I've kind of gone along as we've done updates with the people that work there. It works. It's an all women tattooer studio. Um, that's not a rule. That's just how it's turned out. And then with Buddha, the people that work there, I couldn't see them really fitting into that same style. So I wanted them to be comfortable as well. So I went with a more modern feel. And my taste has changed over the years. So the last time I remodeled the mask, I liked different things than I like now. That was a problem that I had with my uh, studio. So I'm not sure if you knew about mine, but basically what I did is I walked into a tattoo shop that was well-known in the city that I was in. And they had previously had a piercer that they had a horrible falling out with. And the owner wanted nothing to do with piercing in general. And I walked in with a business plan and I was like, hey, I was like, we are going to be a family. I was like, do you have extra space here? And they're basically like, we have this big oversized closet. I was like, cool, clean it out. I was like, I will pay you rent. And then <laughs> from there on, um, we turned it into incredibly successful business, basically out of a closet um, that worked really well for us and the studio. But one of the things that I had a problem with is and I'm, I'm sure you can kind of touch base on this too, is I didn't own the studio flat out. So I was renting space. So I had to make sure that the things that I used went with the aesthetic of the studio without overpowering it to complement it. And that was incredibly difficult and frustrating on my end. But uh, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm letting the folks know because this apparently is a fairly common thing where um, piercers have a drive to become higher end for themselves and look to operate their very own small business out of other studios. And I mean, it, it drove me crazy that I could not change things, but had to like influence the environment around me to go with it. But yeah, so it's, it's very interesting to see one end of the spectrum compared to the entire other, where you are, you know, scrubbing a new place clean versus just changing a small area to work out of a small studio. So I'm sure like, you know, pros and cons to each of them, but I mean, the big things I think when it would come to changing an entire studio would be the cost and the amount of time slash downtime that you would have to do for that studio. Was that really difficult for you? I feel pretty lucky in that the most recent studio that I've been working on remodeling, it's not finished yet, but they're closed two days a week. So I've just been going in on the days that they're closed and doing one room at a time. And that worked out really well. I was able to use the paint sprayer to do all of the painting in each room and just completely sealed off that room for those two days. And then the flooring that I use is so easy. It takes me a little over an hour to do each room. Um, so spacing it out to where it's just little bits at a time on the days that we were closed. And then with Laughing Buddha, I staggered it so that we stayed in the old space until a certain date. And then I said, we are moving in three days because we're open seven days a week. So we're closing for three days and we are open. So we had a whole plan. I remodeled the studio while they were still open the old space. And then we closed one day, packed everything up. We moved it and we set everything up and opened the doors. That's 
I, oh man, that is a really good way to go about doing it. I think if you try to do it all at once, it would just be want to pull all your hair out because you know, things never go the way that you actually plan typically. So I, I, yeah. So I think that's a really good way of doing it, especially because you're closed two days a week. I never, I wish that happened. The shop that I had worked for, I had just gone in before they opened. Uh, and then they were closed. Uh, they were appointment only, on one day of the week. And that's the day that I had like had painted and like changed the door and all those types of things. But yeah, I could see that working a lot better having two days <laughs> and just like step by step, like bit by bit, just changing everything over. Yeah, definitely. The real difficult thing is when something smells. So yeah, like that toxic chemical smell, like if you're using a certain kind of paint or if you have to use a glue or an epoxy or something, then it's a little more challenging. It's definitely about like, getting everything ventilated before anybody is tattooing or piercing. Yeah. Cause the, especially in, you know, our industry, like people are so, we get compared to doctor's offices all the time. So the last thing you want to be is like, I got a tattoo the other day and everything smelled like hot glue, you know, that yeah. uh, that's not going to work well for, for many folks. No. When you acquire these businesses and you decide that you're going to change everything and, you know, become the new owner, how do you go about merging your current employees and merging yourself into the family that is, you know, your new workforce? Just very slowly. It's just a little bit at a time. Um, is there like a lot of resistance for you or? I feel like at Laughing Buddha, there was a little bit of a resistance. There was definitely a lot of fear. So I went in and I just hung out because the word got out that I was buying it before it was supposed to. So as soon as I found out that they knew, I just started going in there every day that I could. And I literally had a chair behind the counter. I sat behind the counter in my chair. I helped clients that came in if it was awkward because I was sitting behind the counter. <laughs> but I basically just sat there and observed and I asked them what they thought and what they would change if they could change anything. And I often would present the question of if we had an unlimited budget, what would you do? That really seemed to build a lot of trust because I wasn't going in there like a hurricane, which honestly, sometimes I do. I get really, really excited about stuff and I kind of go in and just tornado through. And I do that now because now they trust me and they know that I can do that. But at first I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to scare anybody. And I wanted them to have a ton of input into the changes that we were making and feel like they were part of that change and that they had that kind of ownership over what was happening as well. Um, it took, I feel like, I think that we were in the old location with me there for about a year before we moved. And I did uh, the vast majority of the remodel by myself. I did have help from a few people that worked there on their days off. And then my husband helped when he was off work, but he has a nine to five. So, um, I feel like once I did that remodel and I showed them that my idea was solid and that we could make a beautiful space and make a big change, I feel like that's when they actually trusted me. So it takes it like it takes about a year before people can really feel comfortable with you or not like you and quit. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty terrifying. You know, the last thing you want to do is acquire a business and be like, Hey, I'm here to make everything better. And then everyone leaves. Uh, cause that's never a good scenario. No one wants turnover when it comes to employees. And that's actually, you know, 
I, I want to talk to you in a future podcast episode because you actually just have employees. You don't have independent contractors, which I feel is the actual rare thing when it comes to this industry. So um, one, I would love to have you back on to talk about that. But two, was there a lot of uh, resistance when you changed employees from independent to actual employees? Uh, I feel like this is where studying sales comes in. (laughs) Because if you know how to do sales in a way where you're helping people rather than trying to get something from them, then you can apply that directly to this. I made sure that I was educated on what it would mean switching from an independent contractor to an employee so that I can answer questions. And then I basically presented it as a pitch. You know, I was explaining to them that this is a good change, that they're the ones that benefit from it. Um, And then we had an open discussion where they could ask any questions that they wanted about it. Anything that I didn't know, I made sure that I told them, first of all, that I didn't know. And then I would research it and get back to them with an answer. And no one has complained since we switched to employees. Everybody loves it. Yeah. No, it, being an employee is great. Like, I don't care. A lot of folks can say otherwise, but no, being an employee is wonderful. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and say it. Like, I never thought in my life that would be something that I would appreciate, but it really is. I mean, uh, when I worked at Dorje, he was like, you're an employee of mine. I'm like, that's cool. Like, I don't even have a problem with that. Like, let's go ahead and party. And, and it's it's just one of those things where it has a lot of pros. And um, I was just curious because I feel like, especially with, um, you can answer this because you were one, especially with tattooers, change is a very scary thing for a lot of them because uh, it seems like a lot of them are used to this one type of world and they don't want anything to change. So I'm glad that you were very receptive and very open to having honest discussions with them because I feel like that is probably was probably the best idea because I'm sure that there was like a ton of questions for them. Like if they want to take off for conventions or blah, 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 blah. So that's, that's really rad. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) I have pretty (laughs) loose rules and, but I do, I mean, I have dress codes and that's one of the things that people fear and they're just at Damask. It's a, it's a fairly strict dress code because we have a different environment, but at laughing Buddha, it's basically, you know, just please don't call us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have like the like fashion barista call in there. So, I mean, he's he's got his own style there. It's between like alien and and I don't know. It's it's great, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh, no, I think that's I think that's really, really great. From my end of the spectrum, when I joined the tattoo shop, they were like, who the hell is this guy? We don't want to deal with what we dealt with last time. And uh, I will tell you this, and I say it for everything, and it's probably the reason why I look like I look. Um, but coffee and sweets goes a very, very long way in this world. Um, <laughs> I showed up and I was like, I work here now. I will not get in your way. I was like, if I do things that bother you, please let me know so that we can change it. And I was like, and if there's things that you do that bother me, like I'll make sure that I address it. I know I'm the new guy, but here's a cup of coffee and here's a donut. Like, let's hang out, you know, and it, it was a really good icebreaker for me, uh, because I'm, I'm just like the jolly fat guy. So I don't come (laughs) off as very intimidating when I don't want to be, I think it's, I think it's very important, uh, that we both did it in a way, but communication is such an important factor when it comes to merging with these new families. 
You know, it, it's one of those things like open honesty and just explaining things is going to be the best because, man, if you have a problem with somebody and you don't tell them and it keeps happening over and over, you're just going to resent them. And eventually it's just going to come to a head and you're going to pop. And nobody wants that, especially when you have a new studio and you don't want to have like multiple employees having arguments or fights. And I, it's just it's just so important to be honest and talk to people. And I think that's a thing that's very undervalued when um, people talk about like revamping their business. Oh, definitely. That, there was one person at Laughing Buddha who we ended up, I think it was maybe two weeks after I started, we ended up yelling at each other out in the hallway and it just destroyed me because I don't communicate that way. And um, it really took me off guard that he did. And so I messaged him and said, we need to sit down and talk about this. So we went to a restaurant and we sat in a private booth and I just, I explained exactly that. I said, that is not how I communicate. That makes it so that I go straight into lizard brain and I can't even reason anymore when someone's yelling at me. And I said, and I have to tell you, if you ever yell at me again, it will be the last day you work here. And he is still there and he is one of my favorite people that I work with and we get along beautifully. So it was a great, um, it was a great way for us to work out our communication differences and just being completely honest with each other was what saved the, the entire relationship. Yeah. And the other big thing too, is I, I really like you quite a bit because we're on the same page about a lot of things. <laughs> uh, going to a neutral space is the best idea ever. And, totally. and the reason why it's such a good idea is because you don't feel like you're defending your, like, you know, your turf. You're not like lions and you're like, this is my area. This is your area. Like, let's fight in the middle. You're like, hey, we're not in the shop with each other. What is up? Like, let's talk about that. I wear this, like, Will Von Dad hat all the time, but it's basically like, if you have problems with somebody, just meet them outside from, like, where you are or before or after work and just be like, hey, can we just just have a conversation and then you'd be surprised how many people are receptive as long as you're not where you are like eight to 10 hours a day. Oh, definitely. Then it's like a territory war. I mean, it's like we're, we're apes fighting it out. <laughs> oh yeah. It never goes well. Like I've, I've never had an argument at work where I, it ended and I was like, great, that works for me. Like never, never. Yeah. Like even if it goes my way, I'm like, well, fuck that guy hates me now. Like that's something that I got to deal with, you know? And it's, it's just, <laughs> just don't do that. Just go talk yeah. to somebody. Like, I mean, even if it's a beer, like beer, coffee, whatever, just get it done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but talking about other things that are very difficult, uh, is, uh, how do you go about getting the word out for the new studio? Whereas like, I've now acquired this place, like, or I'm working out of this place. The, it, it's a tremendous uphill battle to either try to let folks know that you are the same human, we're providing the same service, versus, you know, the, the like, hey, this place was terrible before, now I'm going to do everything great with it. How did you go about letting customers and, like, the area in which you work know about the transition? Well, again, I feel like it's about educating yourself on uh, marketing. So pretty much everything that I tackle, I study. I listen to podcasts. I listen to audiobooks in my car. I spend typically two hours a day in my car. So I try to make it that a time for me to learn. I didn't go to college. I didn't do 
good in high school. Not that they teach you anything about business there anyway, <laughs> but um, so studying marketing, figuring it out, staying on top of the social media changes. So we are incredibly blessed to live in this time where we can reach people basically for free. And even if we pay for the advertising, it's so ridiculously underpriced that, I mean, if you just pump every spare penny you have into Instagram and Facebook marketing, it's going to serve you so well and you'll regret it later if you don't. Um, so I don't say anything about how the studio was before the past is the past and we're moving forward. And um, at Laughing Buddha, we printed flyers to hand out to clients as they were being rung up saying, hey, this is going to be our new location. It had a map showing old and new locations and then making our profile pictures, um, our logo saying we've moved and the new address. And um, I don't think we did any print besides printing flyers. And then with C-City, we've just, you know, we changed the name of that place and that was a big deal. And I made the mistake of thinking that I was changing it to a regional name because there's a Navy base up there. So I named it Sea City. And a bunch of people thought that I was referring to Seattle because it's not in Seattle. It's in Everett. <laughs> and they were very offended by that. Oh, wow. So then we, <laughs> we had to do a whole thing explaining, no, it's sea as in the ocean, not sea as in Seattle. And now everything has waves on it. And so we've tried to really push that it's the ocean. And um, I feel like just over time, people figure it out. I'm sure there's still people that go to the old location for Laughing Buddha. Even uh, it's been, I think, a year. It's been over a year and a half, but that place was there for 20 years. So I'm oh, sure wow. people still go there. <laughs> yeah, but um, I made really good friends with the salon that was next door to us in the old location. And she actually moved into one of the spaces that we had occupied. So I have friends that are still in that building that can tell people where we moved to. Oh, we that's huge. It's huge. We left flyers with them for quite a while so they could just give people the flyer that had the map to take minimum amount of their time. Um, and just slamming social media. I mean, that's what it's all about right now. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I cannot stress how huge it would have been for me. My When I started uh, Classy Body Art, we were working out of one tattoo studio that just did not work out for us. It was not what we were going for um, before we changed to the location I told you about. And I know for a fact I left on good terms with everyone except for uh, the owners themselves. And when I left, uh, I had clients that would come and see me maybe like a month or two after and was just like, hey, they told me you were down the street at their other location. That's not where you were. I'm so glad I found you. And I was like, well, fudge. Like, yeah, there's no way to to fight that monster. You can't be like, hey, just to let you know, can you tell everyone where I am so I get that business still? You know, they're not going to do that. And And I think that's, oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous that you had that opportunity because you know that they're going to help you out. And it, it's not costing them any to just be like, no, they moved down the street. That that alone must have been incredibly helpful. Well, when I first started at Laughing Buddha, the manager at that time said, um, the owner of the salon next door does not like us. We control their heat and air conditioning, and we can't keep it at a comfortable temperature for them because the air conditioning will freeze and the heat will 
bake us if it's warm enough for her. So she does not like us. And I just put an eyebrow up and said, really? And I made an appointment to get my hair cut by her the next week. And I made follow-up appointments and I still get my hair cut at her salon. Um, I basically said, she's going to be my best friend. And we are really close now. We text each other all the time about business stuff and other stuff. So making friends with people goes a really long way in helping you out in the future. That is actually the the point that I was going to speak the most about is as good as social media is and everything like that, winning people over is huge when it comes to that. The city that I lived in was probably about like 120 to 160,000 when school was in. And one of the things uh, when I grew, I, I grew up from a big fireman family uh, and my dad was like a chief for a fire department. So wherever we went, everyone knew my dad. And as a kid, I hated it because we had to like just stand there. And, you know, you're like 10. You're like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just going to sit here. But it was funny because as the older I got and once I started our business, I was like, holy crap, I am my dad. Because everywhere we went, they're like, hey, like, how are you? Like, it's so good to see you again. Like, how's your wife? Like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, this is weird at first. And then I was like, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to accept it. And it's, it's kind of, as my wife like calls it, she's like, you're the mayor. And cause you basically <laughs> go to all these locations and they remember you so fondly, even to the point where it's been, Oh goodness, three years since we closed our studio. And I went back home to visit family and have them see our, our new daughter. And I went to a gas station. I got stopped four times between the parking lot and checking out and getting back in my car from like clients. And they were like, are you back? Where are you? And I was like, Oh my God, like what? No, no, I'm not back. Like maybe, maybe sometime soon, like maybe we'll move back. But, and it's, it's those connections with people and like visiting other local businesses and like putting that stuff and like working with the community that really is how our business thrived. And it wasn't just me either. My, um, uh, I'm sure you hear me talk about it all the time, but my significant other, uh, she was on the board for a local pride center. We actually won a grant uh, through a local federal credit union, which she got on the board for through uh, our business um, and and her kick-ass, you know, persona. Like, don't let it, don't, <laughs> I'm trying not to make sure that it, it was her that got on the board, not the business. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy that you build these connections with people and they can make you money by you're just being a nice person. Like a lot of people I think don't realize that. Oh, 100%. When we, the space that Laughing Buddha is in right now was vacant for years and it didn't even have a for rent sign up in it. And so I saw it, I contacted my broker and I said, please look into this space. So she looked into it. She found out that the college across the street owned the building. She found out who the person was that did the property management. I Googled him. I found out he was on the board of the Broadway um, business improvement area. So the Broadway BIA. And I looked into how to get on that board. I, I contacted the person who does that. They happen to have a board opening coming up within a couple of weeks. So I told her I wanted to be on the board. I went and interviewed. I got on that board, started getting, you know, we had met each other at um, a local LGBTQ meetup. And just very, very briefly. So we remembered each other from that. We became friends. 
he wasn't even supposed to rent that space out, but he pushed for the college to allow us to move in because of all of that. And now I'm still on that board and I get our back garbage area um, cleaned with a hose once a week because the Broadway BIA pays a company to clean Broadway once a, or every single day. So just getting on boards and meeting people and I go to several women business owner meetups and becoming part of the community, you get to meet people that are influential and it it comes back to you in a big way. But you have to do it genuinely. You can't go in wanting things and thinking that that's all you're doing. Like you have to actually go in and genuinely want to be friends with these people. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a big thing like um you can only fake it for so long and and you think that you may be the the guy who can sell ketchup popsicles to a lady wearing white gloves on a summer day. But trust me, <laughs> like they can see that coming because they've been doing it for probably, you know, as long and have business sense and the such. So it's, it's, you know, one of those things where like, for example, you said you worked for the, or not worked, but participated with the LBGTQ community where you are. Like that is a thing that my wife and I really felt strongly about. So we, really worked with them. Like anytime we had a fundraiser, we would work with them. When we did our ribbon cutting, we invited the president from there to come with us, you know, all those things. And I think it's really good to work with your community because that's what keeps you alive. And I really think that that is something that can make the uphill battle when it comes to revamping or renewing a space, like really a lot easier for yourself. Oh, definitely. Yeah. If you've got support from people, I mean, I think I, I don't remember exactly the amount of days, but with the Laughing Buddha remodel, I think I worked for about 90 days straight with no days off. And towards the end there, I was literally posting on Facebook, somebody please bring your puppy here right now. And so just having friends that were willing to stop by for a minute just so I could pet their dog because I was so exhausted and so mentally worn out and done. I having those people stop by really renewed my energy and made it so that I could finish at least a few more hours of laying floor or painting or drywalling or whatever it was I was doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Plain and simple. Like community is what makes your business grow, what makes your business thrive. I mean, and it's incredibly important to do what you can within it. It's really difficult to figure out exactly what you want to do. And if it's something that no one is doing, reach out to your community and see, be like, is this something that maybe I can lead up or work with or try to, you know, move forward with and go from there? Yeah, definitely. And I should mention also, I'm a complete introvert. I get such anxiety when I think about going to any of these meetups, even the ones that I've been going to for years. But I do it because I know that once I'm there, there's going to be people there that are going to be nice to me. And I'm going to end up being happy that I went you know, going around the table and everyone introducing themselves. I start to sweat before it's my turn. I mean, <laughs> this is not something that comes naturally, naturally to me. I'm not naturally charismatic and outgoing, but I can do it because I know that the reward is so great. Yeah, I'm the I'm the 100% the same way. My wife is always like, why are you so hot right now? I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, <laughs> I'm like I just want to get this done with, you know, so I, I completely understand. It's it's. You know, it's a it's a trait. And I think a lot of people in our industry are very introverted. 
are there how do i put it there's always like fomo like fear of missing out and then there's like jomo which is like the joy of missing out so you just are like i'm fine <laughs> watching netflix and eating pizza and i'm definitely in the jomo camp but uh i am too yeah and it's uh it's just really great to to know that you're not alone in those feelings. A lot of people feel that way too. It's just overcoming them um, gradually really does have a lot of benefits to you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We've actually covered a lot of things uh, and, and kind of branched off, which I'm really happy about. I I really enjoy talking to you as you can already tell. Uh, <laughs> and this probably won't be our last conversation, but with that being Great. said, in terms of this topic, are there any things that you've learned in your journey that you'd recommend for people, whether they be stepping into, you know, a closet at a studio to work at or revamping a entire studio for themselves? Um, I've learned a lot about purchasing businesses. And I think that the most important advice I would have for that is get a really good attorney that specializes in buying businesses, not in just general things. Don't be afraid to ask for proof of things that are that they are claiming add value. Always get a professional valuation so that you have an outside person saying how much the business is actually worth. And for the revamping the studios, I think negotiating with uh, people that are helping you, whether they're laying the floor or doing whatever, if you watch YouTube videos, you can figure a lot of stuff out on your own and then you can do it yourself and hard work. And you got to do everything that you can to focus on getting the job done. Remember the big reason why you're doing it. I even hung something on the wall at Laughing Buddha um, before we even did any of the demo or anything that inspired me and kept me focused on the overall goal and kept me going in the times where I was literally crying because I didn't want to be there. <laughs> I was so exhausted and so worn out. And so I would read that and I would get myself pumped up and do more work. I would listen to podcasts that inspired me um, and audiobooks and music. Music is everything when you're doing something that's really difficult. <laughs> oh my God. I, I 100% agree with you. There were, and I'm, this isn't even the stress of an entire shop, it's one room. That is my own business. And for the first month, my wife, like I would come home and I would just be on the verge or bawling. And I'm like, this was the worst idea I've ever had. Like nobody came in today. <laughs> and then um, the thing that I had to do, and this is before we had our daughter, is I had to put a picture of each one of the dogs that we have. And then my wife in the middle. And I was like, we're good Aww. to go. Like, cause as soon as like I see those things, okay, like, so I'm going to pet that dog when I get home, I'm going to kiss my missus on the cheek. I was like, I'm going to take that pupper for a walk. It, yes. It's the little things that get you through it. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's a big thing. And, and I don't think a lot of people realize that, like, we see just the pros on social media. We see the the joy we see the awesome pictures we see the complete things like the posts of pride but nobody's posting like i didn't sleep tonight because i <laughs> stayed up all night crying or uh i sat in the tub for two hours because i can't feel my shoulders anymore you know yes. those are the posts that nobody sees but they are there and and it is it is a thing that i will stress to people who are who are thinking about doing this situation or in the process of, you know, if you have questions or you feel like you're going to fall down, like reach out to the community because I guarantee you that there are so many souls that are just like yours 
that have done the same exact thing, who have had the same exact thoughts. And, you know, it's, it's, I know that it's weird, but it's really comforting to commiserate with some people and just be like, oh man, I remember how awful that was. And, you know, know that you're not alone when it comes to those things. Absolutely. And the critics are not the people who are accomplishing things. If they're not in the arena with you, then all they're doing is standing up at the stands. So it doesn't matter what they're saying. You're the one doing the work. That's like the best quote ever. (laughs) 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 I've never heard that. And that is so good. I, well, I semi borrowed that because there isn't a quote, uh, uh, sorry, there is a quote about being in the arena and I can't remember the quote. So I just paraphrased it. <laughs> no, that, that is like the headline of this episode, like that right there. It's the, the quote that actually got me going through, you know, we were in an area that, you know, was a hundred, like I said, 120, 160,000. There must've been like 25 piercing shops, piercing and tattooing shops. And when I was in funeral director school, there was always one quote that like somebody wrote on a piece of paper and like stuck to a wall that just basically said, if it isn't fatal, it's no big deal. And that was like my <laughs> mantra for years to just be like, all right, like I can survive. I'm still awake. Like, let's just party, you know? <laughs> yeah. If it's not going to matter in a year, don't spend more than five minutes worrying about it. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, no, this is so much great information. Um, I really, really enjoyed talking with you and discussing these things. I would love to uh, discuss the possibility of coming on to talk about some of the other experiences you've had, such as the independent contractor versus employees. Maybe we'll get a round table together for that um, just to talk to a few different folks. But I, I really think that you're a wealth of information. And I, I really think that this is probably not going to be your only episode with us because you bring so much to the table. And I really oh, appreciate you. you taking your time to talk to me. Oh, I appreciate you asking. So uh, just for everyone else, as a little reminder, um, why don't you tell people where you are located, what your name is, and where they can find you at X Studios or how they can contact you? So I'm Christy Lillard, and I'm in Seattle, Washington. And my Instagram and Facebook, I believe, is all Christy Lillard. So I can be reached that way. And I'm always happy to help anyone with anything. And that's great. A lot of people are so nervous to talk to folks because they're like, well, you haven't heard of me before. And I was be like, we are all in this industry together. We either all thrive or all die. So let's work together to make things better for everyone across the board. So we'll make sure that we include links to your social media and your businesses in this week's show notes. Um, But yeah, I I really appreciate you coming on and uh, hopefully some more friends stop by with some dogs so you can pet them. They can't come in the studio, but I'll come outside. All right. That sounds good. I really enjoyed chatting with Christy in this episode, and we're in talks to have a few roundtables and conversations in the future on a few more owner-slash-business-type conversations. I really think this is a great episode to kick off this season's worth of episodes. I have a few fun roundtables coming up and a few topics that are right in the front of everyone, but nobody seems to talk about it in public. We plan to change that. In this new year, we also plan to have more written content on our website and give the opportunity for people to use the Real Talk website as an avenue to reach and discuss topics and individuals that are important to the industry. I want to thank our guest, Chrissy Lillard, this week once again 
and I've included links for her in this week's show notes. Please take some time to follow her and her businesses, or better yet, visit them and support them in person. In other news, I just want to thank all you folks for your continued support as our listens continue to grow and grow. With the listing on Spotify, joining our Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Android support, there are more avenues than ever to listen to us here at Real Talk. It really means the world to us here. I would also like to take a second to thank all those folks that have supported us on Patreon. Our newest sponsor, Matthew Decker, has fueled this episode with a few cups of coffee. We thank him for his continued support, but also thank our continued patrons. Every dollar helps improve the quality of this podcast. I am so excited to announce our newest sponsor of the podcast, Badur and his amazing company, Punk Medics. He's joined in helping us continue to be able to provide amazing content and continue to improve our production of this podcast. For those of you that don't know, Punk Medics is a handmade, vegan, natural, and cruelty-free product line of amazing tattoo and piercing aftercares. I've carried and used these products ever since I got into this industry. I can't speak highly enough about them, especially Holy Butter. It's a premium ear care product and is amazing to soothe stretch lobes, especially on cold, windy days. You can find more information about them at punkmedics.com or can pick up some of these products from your friendly local studio or our online realtor. I would like to also thank our ongoing sponsor of the podcast. Adam and Shelby Richens of wonderful Santa Cruz, California, have been crushing it at their studio, the beautiful Amory Body Arts. This is the only studio I trust in Santa Cruz to send clients and listeners to. Their attention to detail and impressive jewelry selection is second to none. For all your piercing and jewelry needs, make sure to visit our friends at Amory. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website, realtalkapiercingpodcast.com. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Broke for Free.